On this DMV Sports Roundtable, controversial Redskins player Reuben Foster is out for the season after tearing his ACL on the third play of a non-contact drill. While the rest of our crew is away for this one, I'm Dimitri Sotis on the phone with Les Carpenter, who covers the skins for the Washington Post and who says Foster's injury is a jarring blow to the team who saw him, believe it or not, as a potential leader. Redskins had uh, put the waiver claim on Reuben Foster after he had been released by the San Francisco 49ers following a second arrest for domestic violence. You know, there was so much of a firestorm over the fact that he was here and why would the Redskins take this chance? You know, when isn't it just, if nothing else, wait until this thing is investigated and understand rather than rush to bring him in. But internally, I think after things kind of settled down, they really truly believed that this was someone that could be a great, great player for them on their defense. In other words, he could really be the centerpiece of what they thought could be a very good defense this year. And to have him go down on the first play, I think it was heartbreaking for, I think, a lot of people there. You further write that they expected him to be a leader, not just an excellent player on the field. Yeah, and I think this was part of the reason why they were in such a rush to get him. And I know that that's going to sound like a crazy contradiction, given kind of what we have been hearing about Reuben Foster over the last year, that he had had you know, two arrests for the domestic violence issues that later were dropped, but still are with uh, you know a weapons charge in one of those that, that he did plead no contest on and then there was a uh, you know marijuana charge also in Alabama so there's a lot going on in a very short time that would make you say that they're bringing in someone very troubled at the same time though it, you know he had had built a reputation as being something of the guy on the team who would sort of pull all the other players together get them in the weight room get them studying on their uh, uh, you know the, the playbooks doing the things that you would like a player to be able to get guys to do uh, and I think that's something the Redskins felt that they didn't have enough of in their locker room. They have good players. They have good people, I think, but they don't always necessarily have that one really vocal leader. And I think he kind of had filled that role very quickly. And I think that's part of the reason that they went after him. I think they knew that he would fill that role. Interesting. I, you know, uh, have learned over the years not to get on my high horse. I mean, we all make mistakes, but to dig a little deeper, that is such a contradiction that a guy with so much legal trouble around him, although we should hasten to add not convicted of anything, would be a leader. I, I guess for some people who take the morality route, you know what I mean, Les? It, it doesn't make much sense, but maybe it does in this case. It makes it very difficult to write about. It makes it very difficult to sort through, because I, I think to sit there and just only talk about the qualities, like, you know, like be a leader on this team or oh he could be a big part of their defense would be to ignore the seriousness of the allegations and you know sports over the years has been terrible at recognizing domestic violence allegations against athletes and often has tried to just brush those off and say oh it's nothing don't worry about it and obviously it's not and and I think leagues have kind of opened their eyes to that in recent years so yeah you you can't talk about him as a player and, and as a person in the locker room without saying well look there's this other stuff out here. You're right, he's not been convicted, but nonetheless, you know, there's a lot there, and I think it's made it very difficult for people externally, like myself, to kind of sort through all of this. It's difficult to write about, but at the same time, I think we also have to look at the context of what the Redskins saw, and the Redskins really truly believed that he was going to be a very important piece of this defense, and that he would fill a role in their locker room that they really truly needed, which was the guy who could get on the other players and get them to do stuff. Having discussed all of that, and the big loss that it is from an X's and O's perspective. What is this team left with? How much were you able to absorb from uh, watching them on Monday? You know, look, there's still a lot of really good pieces on this defense. 
Uh, and while they were putting a lot of hope into Ruben Foster, he is a player who in his first years in the NFL had a lot of injuries, so it makes it difficult to say how much he would have been out there anyway. You know, they've got a, still a very young, aggressive defense. Signing Landon Collins from the Giants as a safety, I think, is really going to help at least the front of that defense. He's a tremendous tackler and as well a very good leader. And they have some other young, promising players that I think can be very good leader types too, like Jonathan Allen up front. So their defense is still very good, I think, if everyone stays healthy. The problem is, is that I think Foster was that player who might have really been able to put them over the top as a defense. No, I yeah, yeah. get carried away yeah, yeah. as far as how good the team could be, but certainly as a defense. What about Dwayne Haskins and any thoughts, again, at this early stage about whether he'll start? It still seems that if Case Keenum can win that starting job, he is going to have the first four or five games, which will take you through a tour of the division, and the Patriots are in there, and the Bears are in there. Whoever is under center is going to have a very difficult job to get started on the season. Yeah, everyone is saying, and these are people not just within the organization, but outside that have worked with Dwayne Haskins, who all said the right things. Uh, that this is a really, really sharp kid who, I call him a kid, I mean, he's, he's in his early 20s, but I mean, he still seems so young, having only played one full year of college football as a starter. Uh, you know, he's someone who really, truly understands uh, how to run an offense. He, he grasps things very quickly. He'll pick up an offense very quickly. Uh, you know, he's got a wonderful arm. He can, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to watch him throw. I mean, all those signs are there that hey, this guy can be a really good quarterback someday, but yeah, it's a lot to put on someone who's only had one year as a starter in college to actually expect him to start in the NFL. And uh, the other thing about Case Keenum is he's two years removed from taking the Minnesota Vikings to the doorstep of the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I think it was kind of just sort of shoving him to the side and saying, well, this guy won't be much of anything. And, you know, let's, you know, let's just get on to the next new player. But I, I do believe that, you know, they, they're going to give Case Keenum a long look and give him every chance to win that starting job. And also don't rule out Colt McCoy either. He's missing these OTAs because uh, he's had a couple operations on that broken leg that he had last year. But he is expected to be back by training camp. And he knows the offense better than anybody. And, you know, he may still get that first shot to start if he's healthy. I did want to finish up with the work that your colleague Scott Allen did, which is breaking down the 20 years that Dan Snyder has uh, owned this team. And we all knew all of these details, but when you see it on your phone or on your laptop screen, the timeline, the different records the various Redskins teams had over the years, what were your impressions of looking at that, looking at your colleague's work and kind of going back <laughs> in time since you've covered the team for a long time? Yeah, that was a terrific job, by the way, pulling all that together that he did. You know, looking at all that, he's just can't help thinking, God, that's a lot of drama in two decades. <laughs> uh, it, it certainly is. <laughs> There's really no other way to put it. I mean, there's just a lot happened in a very short amount of time. Uh, among all the amazing statistics on, on this with Dan Snyder, and I I don't know if this was – I saw this with someone from my paper or not, but uh, he is the still second youngest owner in the NFL, and I find that mind-boggling because he was obviously very young when he bought the team. He was in his early 30s. But to imagine 20 years later, he's still, I think, the second youngest owner in the NFL. Uh, you know, kind of still says, I think, something about – Maybe there's still a lot left to, to sort of understand and know about where, you know, how they're going to be able to take this franchise forward. I, I feel like right now, 20 years in, they're still a little stuck as to where to go next. That's yeah. kind of the word I think of a lot is 
it's stuck right now. Yeah, that that pretty much uh, encapsulates it. I suppose it's important to point out, at least from my memory, because I've, I've been here all this time as well, not all of the seasons were as crazy and dysfunctional as some of the recent ones were. Sometimes they, they were just a very poor team. And that I don't know that that makes it any better, but I don't know if you agree with that. Or, or maybe there was a little bit of dysfunction each year. And as a beat reporter, of course, you saw it up close. Look, some of those bad years came from previous dysfunction. Uh, you know, some decisions that were made led to some bad seasons that followed, uh, even if necessarily there wasn't much drama within those seasons. You know, and you you would have thought that there was kind of a point there around 2005, 2006, 2007, when Joe Gibbs was back for his second run with the team and there was success on the field and you could start to think, well, maybe there's something to build from that. And then, of course, it fell down again. And then the, uh, the RG3 stuff came. You can say, well, maybe this will finally revive things and it falls again. It, it, it seems to be a pattern of whenever there's a little bit of a brightness, it's always followed by a period of great darkness. And so, you know, I, I feel like in some ways there has been some stability despite all the injuries and some of the things that have happened in the last few months. I really thought last year that that, was one of the most sta- – until Alex Smith got hurt, I, I thought it was one of the most stable Redskin years I had seen in a long time. I really kind of thought, gosh, you know, maybe Alex Smith and, you know, together with Jay Gruden, you know, he sort of has a very even demeanor as well. But I thought maybe this, this team could finally kind of find that place. But, of course, you know, we're kind of right back at another start again. Gosh. Well, all the more reason to have you on again sometime, Les. Thank you for your insight, for taking so much time to talk to me. Oh, no, this was fun. Thank all you. Right. Les Carpenter covers the Redskins for the Washington Post. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, and WTOP's mobile app. Just tap listen. For the rest of the guys, I'm Dimitri Sotis. And for Redskins fans, large and small, all around the world, may God help us. 